Hey, listen, um, for all of those who will be watching or listening to this later, um, because you're at home sick with the vid, we love you. Glad you didn't bring it here, okay? Um, but today, like I love, like I didn't even like connect this until just like as we were singing that last song. Um, and if you want to turn the lights up, Joe, you can. I know you're probably working on uh, getting that ring out a little bit, but um, really didn't connect when we were practicing or even this week as I was rehearsing some of the music is that who are we singing our praise to? It's Jesus, right? And rejoicing is, a when we rejoice, it is a praise. And sometimes I think we end up praising our own accomplishments, right? Look at what I've done. Look, look, at, look, at, the, look at this success that I have. Look at what, you name it, and oh, hey, babe. Yeah, no, I got you. You're good. I just say I love you. But we often like we stop and we like we rejoice the wrong thing. We praise the wrong name, and here we are in week three of our not happiness series, and we've been trying to discover what it looks like to have real joy, right? Not this fleeting happiness that's based on happenings that's happening around us. Because some of us this week has had really good weeks and some, week, and some of us has had a really bad week, right? Like we like, or maybe even you've had some good days this week, bad days this week, and it all like it, it seems like you like sometimes you could just never get ahead. It's like you have one good day, then you have two bad days. And you have one good day, then you have really bad days. And it's just your emotions are all over the all over the place. And what we've learned. And what we've learned over the last few weeks is like, number one, is that what, what, like, what we portray about our situation, like how we view our situation will, will be the expression your life portrays, right? Like, have you ever met that person that you just don't really ever want to be around because they're always gloomy? And like, like you, bring the, you bring the atmosphere from here to like sub-zero. You know what I'm saying? Like how you view your situation how you view your situation is the express, expression your life portrays. Meaning that we need to view our current situation or circumstances with the view that our situation can be someone's salvation. Right? We talked about that week one. How, how Paul, here he is in prison. Like, out of anybody that could be like not, like not joyful, it would be Paul, right? Like, read, read his story about his missionary journeys. He's gotten bitten by snakes. He's been arrested several times. Here he is in jail, shackled to guards, and he's and like he has the perfect circumstance in the situation to be honestly ticked off. Like God, what are you doing? Like I'm, I'm I'm doing your will, but instead he says, no, 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 no. Like this has actually been a great thing. What are you talking about? You're in jail. No, no, no. The prison guards that are shackled to me, 
like they're coming to know Jesus. How you view your situation could lead to someone else's salvation. That's week one, right? Week two was a kind of a challenge for us, right? It was kind of a challenge. We said, we said that um, we, we talked about the fact that Christ is our standard, right? Christ is our standard. Then we asked the question, if he is our standard, how are we matching up? Like, I know a lot of us want to compare ourselves to Betty, who lives next door. But that's not the truth. That's not who we need to compare ourselves to. Like, I'm doing good again. Like, I told Betty, like, you know, in our prayer, prayer request time, like, I told Betty she shouldn't be with that man. But, you know, I just, but here they are. See, I told you, like, I told Betty that she shouldn't be, and now we're going to, we have to pray for her to get ourselves out of that situation. No, no, no. Like, that's us comparing, like, look at me. I'm looking, like, I look good compared to Betty, or you fill in the blank who you compare yourself to, right? But Christ is our standard, not anyone else. In fact, Paul told us last week in Philippians 2.5, he says this, and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, consider the standard that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. And then this week, this week with those two things understand, this week we're just going to look at eight, the first eight verses of Philippians 3. The first eight verses of Philippians 3, and you're like, thank goodness that you're not doing all, every verse of this chapter this week, Derek, because this just means I can spend more time on singular verses, okay? Instead of speeding through it. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about this idea that myself, I am nothing. Myself, this is the title for today. Myself, I am nothing. Like, have you ever felt like nothing you do was good enough? Like, you ever had those times where you felt really accomplished that you, that guys, completed that task that your wife asked you to complete? You know what I'm saying? You're like, yeah, I feel accomplished. And you, she comes in and goes, no, nah, that's not how I wanted it. You hear Brittany laughing, right? That may or may not have happened several times in the last couple of weeks. I feel, that's 13 long years. It's 14. It'll be 14 in February. Thank you. Like, you just feel like you never do anything right. Maybe you're listening to this later, and you're like, man, I just can't get my life together. And let me just tell you, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. In fact, in another letter, our friend Paul, he writes this about us who think that we do things right all the time. We're those who think we, we're good. In Galatians, he writes to us this. He says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Ooh. You know those guys who are like, well, back in my day, I used to be, like, I could throw that football across that mountain. 1982. <laughs> or those guys, or the, those people who think they're better than what they think, those Christians who think they're better than what they really are. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever met one of those? Like, there's a holier-than-thou, Bible-thumping, nobody can stand to be around. If anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We are, by myself, I am nothing. Nothing good in me. And in fact, Jesus himself says that apart from him, right, apart from him, we're nothing. John 15, 5, this is Jesus' words, it says, I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. As you live in union, union means connected, 
with me as your source. What's the source? Him. Not anything else. Not your job. Not your kids. Not your spouse. Nothing other than him. Me as your source. Source. Fruitfulness will stream from you, from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. And I wonder how many of us as believers are living separated from God, even though we say we follow him, and we're really living powerless lives. That's the question for this morning. Are you yourself, or are you in Jesus? Are you in Jesus? So yeah, myself, I am nothing. But the question, how can I be filled with joy when, it, when nothing I do will ever be good enough? How do I feel like, Derek, this is like really sad, like... You mean no matter how hard I try, it's not going to be good enough? You're, you're right. You're right. It's not going to be good enough. Like you yourself cannot get yourself not only to heaven, but you can't get yourself even clean. Check your nails. You with me? And what we're going to realize today, hopefully, is that we can find joy in the fact, and the answer in the fact that Jesus is enough. Jesus alone is enough. So let me show you, let me show you what Paul says. In Philippians chapter 3, Verse 1, whatever happens, when what happens? Whatever. Good days, bad days, arguments, getting fired from your job, quitting your job that made you mad. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, that's me and you, rejoice in the Lord. Well, what if that person cuts me off in traffic? Whatever happens, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Well, what if I get fired when I show up to work tomorrow? Whatever happens, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. And here's how we safeguard our faith. When, we, when we're remembering what Christ has done, safeguards us from relying on self. Because what we tend to do when things, bad things start happening, we, we start to dog ourselves, right? We start to say, we start to say, well, I could have done this. This, if I, what if I, what if I do this, this, and this? Or we try to build up ourselves by doing a lot of things, which doing isn't necessarily bad. Like you got need to work hard, because the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. All right. So here's it. Like, so what do we do? Like, what do we do? Like, let me ask you this: Who is the one person that lies to you the most? Who's the one person that lies to you the most? yourself. Like I look in the mirror every morning and say, man, you look good today. You know what I'm saying? It's not a lie. I mean, it's still true. But I've always told myself that. You know what I'm saying? Like who's the one person that lies to you the most? Well, if I would have just done this. No. If I would just go and say this, and then we go and say not that, and then we're spending an hour in the shower the next morning saying, well, I should have said this, blah, 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 and have that argument in your head. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I could just meet to that one person one more time. Like, you cannot rely on yourself to get yourself to the place where you need to be. But many of us try, right? We try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and try to make everything right. It just seems to mess up a whole lot more things. And I even love that one translation, the Passion Translation, that last verse, he, it says, like, I don't, I don't mind reminding you of these things because it protects us, protects you. Protects you from what? Yourself. It protects you. Because if you rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the right things, you'll have firm footing and joy will come. So let's see what it protects us from. 
Philippians 3, 2 through 3, here's what it says. It says, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, the, those uh, mutilators, of, mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. And they give to understand, this is coming from an argument of saying the Jewish believers in Christ are saying to Gentile people, hey, you must be circumcised because circumcision was, was a sign that you were part of God's chosen people back then. Like when he told, God told Abraham, you shall, can you imagine Abraham being like 90 years old and God saying, you gotta be, you gotta snip that thing. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, ah, maybe I don't want to follow. Like, this seems really scary to me. You know what I'm saying? But that's how they, that's how they set themselves apart from the rest of culture. Watch out for those dogs, those people who, who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We really we rely on what Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. And this verse really isn't all, this passage isn't just really all about a surgical procedure, but really a way of living. Because in this culture, and even in our culture, it's, it's taught that you have, to, you have to do, do, do to be accepted, right? We have to do, 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 do to be loved by our spouse. We have to do, 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 do to be accepted by our boss and not lose our job. We have to do, 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 and God's just saying, I've done everything. I've done everything. See, circumcision was a shadow of what God was going to do in the circumcision of the heart. It's something on the inside of us that needs to change, not on the outside of us. Because for things to truly change on the outside of us, something on the inside has to be changed. That's why our friend Jeremiah would tell us, he would say, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Oh, just go with your heart. No! Don't go with your heart. It's deceitful. It lies to you. Well, it's my heart. In my heart, I just know that I love him. No, you lust after him. You want his body. You want her body. You know what I'm saying? So you got smiling. Stay away. Women are evil. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I still need you to push the space bar back there, please. No. But here's the thing, our hearts are deceitful. And what we needed to be separated from sin, we needed to be separated from sin that plagues the heart. Something on the inside of us needed to, needed to change. Something of our nature, David would say, by my nature, I am sinful. We, that is what needed to be cut away. That's what needed to be circumcised away. And the only way to have that cut off is in Christ. Christ's work is the only thing that cuts off the sin in our life, not what we can do ourselves. So no matter how bad you work, no matter how many good works that you do, and that you pull around saying, look at what I've done, look at this beautiful thing that I'm carrying, look at the accomplishments in my life, no matter what good you do on the outside, it's never going to be good enough. In fact, Jesus himself would tell religious leaders who did everything right, other than treat people poorly, but that's, that's a whole other sermon, right? He looked at them, even though they looked like they did everything right, they paid the right tithes, they said the right prayers, they went to church every Sunday or Saturday in that day. They, they did everything that they were supposed to do. He looked at them and said, you're nothing but whitewashed tombs. You look pretty on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. 
And many of us, I think, we're just like those religious leaders. On the outside, we look really good. We put on a good smile. We say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Everything's good this morning. But on the inside, there's something dying because we're not relying on Christ. We're relying on self. What can I do to be better? And he, Paul goes on to say this. Because Paul was a pretty good religious leader back in the day before his conversion, right? He said, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. And so, let me, so let's just pretend for a second that just pretend that Paul is the standard. Because Paul's a pretty good dude. He did everything right. Let's see. If even if we just took him as a standard, let's see how we matched up. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am pure-blooded citizen, a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees because they're not fair, you see, because they follow the rules and sometimes make up some extra rules to help you follow those rules, who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for, for, for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable. How did you match up? Do you follow the law perfectly? No. Paul did. Even to the point that he killed people who believed in Jesus because they were breaking the law. He said, I once thought these things were valuable. And like Paul I believe many of us feel like we've done everything right. We've always done the right thing. We've done the right thing. We never miss church. Check. Right? And we start pulling this thing. I've never missed church. See, what, see, see my bag I'm pulling? I've never missed church. I've always obeyed my mom and dad. I've always done everything right. I paid my tithes on time. I, 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 I helped that person one time in Walmart line. They couldn't pay for the groceries, so I paid for it. I bought somebody's dinner one time. We start pulling this, and this becomes like a, like a warm blanket to us. Like, look at everything that I've done, y'all. Look. Like, look, like God must love me. You see, everything that I've done, like, I, we, we find comfort, and it begins, to, it, begins to like, it begins to be the thing that we rely on instead of the one who saved us. Right? Well, I leave worship at church. I preach at church. It just it becomes a warm blanket, like God, God, you see Betty over there next door, she's not doing anything, but this should make me good, right? This is my sacrifice to you, God, just look, look at everything, and really what we're doing is, again, self-indulgence. We're, we're rejoicing ourselves. And Paul, what Paul is saying is, I want to protect you from that, from relying on self Start relying, start relying on the, your creator, your savior, your sustainer. In fact, he is about to echo the very words of our friend and our prophet Isaiah when he says, we are all infected. We are all infected and impure with sin. What that means is, is, is that, that we're infected with something that causes us to rely on self. And relying on self, the Bible says, is sin because we can't do anything in and of ourselves. He says, we are infected and impure with sin when we display our righteous deeds. Look! Look at everything I've done! 
I, I have a right standing with God because, man, look at this trophy that I have here. Look at this. Isn't it beautiful? There was 52 people saved last week because of my great sermon that I put together. I've led thousands and thousands of people. Like, home and home and Jesus is looking down here going, and they're nothing, that's nothing but filthy rags. But, but I work so hard, Jesus. He says, like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. You want to hear the way that Paul says it? He says, yeah, all the accomplishments that I once took credit for. Yet all the, the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them. And I regard them, I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ, my Lord. This is nothing. This is nothing. But he goes on to say, truly, to truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in reality, in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ, embracing, embracing him, embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness all of his greatness. This isn't saying don't do good works. Go live, it doesn't say go live your life how you want to live it. That's not what it's saying at all. But what it's saying is, is don't rely on the very thing that you, of what you can do. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because this thing that you're carrying around may look beautiful and that's how it may look like a good whitewashed tomb, but it's nothing but filled with trash. But when we're following Jesus, and He is what we rely on, and He cleans out the trash on the inside, there's that bad pedal of yours, you know what I'm saying? And He, he cleans us out, puts us back together he says that's enough that's enough since and what he's saying what Paul is telling us is that since our works are trash we've got to drop the trash to hold the truth many of us are holding on to trash holding on to things that don't really matter things that yeah they're good that you did them but if you're gonna rely on that then it's really filthy rags and trash He's saying you got to hold the truth, have true joy. you got to let go of that stuff. Quit thinking about the, the early years and how good you were and all the work that you've done. No, no, no. If that's, if that, like, God is enough, Christ is enough to clean us up. If you want joy that's never fleeting, if you want joy that never leaves, you have to rely on Christ and Christ's work. To hold on to joy, we've got to let go of self-boasting and hold on to Christ's work. Look at what Christ did. Look at what Christ did. Not look at what Derek did. Look at what Christ did in me. Go back to verse 7. Let's read it again. 
Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them. And I regard it all as nothing. I regard it all as trash compared to the light of experiencing Jesus as my Lord. To truly know Him meant letting go of everything. Letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace Him as Lord and all of His greatness. You want to live a life of joy, let go of what you're doing and hold on to the truth of what Christ is doing. Let go of the trash that you're holding on to. Let go of those filthy rags and trust that Jesus is enough. That's why we can sing songs like, Oh, praise the one. We can sing songs like, Sing, sing, sing. We can sing songs like, God of revival come because we know that we need him for this. Because everything we do is going to be trash. This week, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. I'm going to challenge you to evaluate your life. And if you're basing your standing with God on what you do, drop it. Drop it like it's hot. You me? Drop it like it's hot and start relying on what Jesus has done. Because as we're going to talk about on Good Friday, the cross is an invitation to die to self. Right? little sneak peek. The cross is an invitation to say, you know what? This world is not about me. Which means we can... So I've had a lot of thought about death lately. I've said that a lot. And I've realized, because guess what happens when I die? The world goes on. Right? And in a hundred years, it doesn't matter how many good works I've done in regards to boasting in myself and rejoicing in myself. But what real matter is the lives that have been changed because we have we have held on to the truth that it's all about Jesus and based our works on Jesus that has changed generation after generation and generation and generation. Do you think we would be here today if the disciples would be like, look at what I've done? It would have ended. And what if we started living a life that's fueled by Jesus and not by ourselves? You with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here this morning. I pray for those that who are at home sick who will watch us later. God, may they be inspired to live differently tomorrow. Letting go of self, self-pride and self-rejoicing and self-boasting and rely and start boasting on you. I love the fact that Ephesians 2 says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of your own works, but through Christ's works, so that no one can boast. Guys, I'll lift up us in this room. I'll lift up those who listen to this later. God, may they boast in you and live in you and love in you. And may the world that they, they live, work, and play in be enriched because they are enriched by you. May our minds be cast on Calvary continuously, every day, constantly reminded of the work that you've done. Let go of the trash and hold on to truth. That truth is you. I pray all this in your name.
Hey, I love you guys. Next week's going to be fun. We're going to finish up chapter three. So if you want to, uh, if you want a preview of that, read chapter, the rest of chapter three. Maybe come up with your own sermon on it. I don't know. I might let you preach, okay? We'll see.